Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. It is so exciting to be on this platform. So exciting. I have secretly dreamed of this day for many, many years. <laughs> but it is, it's great to be here. I'm honored. I'm so grateful that I have been asked to be here because I have a message burning on my heart. But before I get to that, I thought it would be nice for those of you that don't know who I am, because let's face it, we go to a big church, and though I've been here for many, many years, some of you have no idea who I am, and you've never seen me before. So I thought I'd share a few numbers with you. The first number is 20. 20 is the number of years that my husband and I have attended Resurrection Life Church. The second number is 35. 35 is the number of years I've been married to my husband, Tom Moralia. We just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary in December. Okay, so the next number is three. We have three children. They're all grown. They're out of the house, and they've never come back, for which we are so grateful to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we have six grandchildren, and our seventh is on the way and due on July 14. We think this one's going to be pretty special, as seven is the number of completeness and perfection. So we're really excited to meet this one. The next number is 180. 180 is the number of years old that our farmhouse is. We live on five acres, which ha is home to five, four horses, five sheep, and 18 chickens, which is really remarkable when I'm not really even an animal lover. So I have a picture for you right now. We had twin lambs born just last week. So Tom took a picture of me in the barn yesterday with one of the lambs. Lambs are my exception. Baby lambs I'm all about. So I am an animal lover when it comes to lambs. The next number is 13. 13 is the number of years that I've been in ministry, a mentoring ministry for wives. And... The final group of numbers is, let's see, what is that number? First number is three, four. Four years ago, my book, The Beautiful Wife, was published. And it is a great book for any woman that wants to gain more fulfillment in their marriage. And there are exactly only 16 copies left in the bookstore. So that's my last number. But enough about numbers. I didn't come here just to talk about numbers. I came here to talk about the secret to growing personal joy in a low joy world. It's no secret that we live in a low joy world. I mean, all we have to do is turn on the television and the news, and we'll get a big dose of low joy. Joy just kind of drains away from us when we watch the news. My husband was just telling me before we left the house tonight that one of his coworkers had talked to him about his best friend whose wife just left him for his best friend. I, when I think about the situations that I've been in that have been low joy, I go way back to the beginning of my marriage. In the first 11 years of our marriage, we're extremely low joy. 
Our marriage was characterized by emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and spiritual abuse. We were both a mess, and our marriage had very little joy to show for it. The next low joy thing that happened about 10 years ago involved our daughter, and it came out that our daughter had been sexually abused. And that knowledge precipitated 10 more years of chronic low joy experiences. We live in a low joy world. What kind of things are you going through right now that are sucking the joy right out of your life? Perhaps some of you are struggling with a career or with a job. You're looking for meaningful work and you're having a difficulty finding it. Maybe you're in a contemptuous marriage where there's very little love and respect going on in your home. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a chronic illness and it's been really hard to find joy. Or perhaps you have children that are struggling. Maybe they're struggling in school, maybe learning disabilities, maybe they're adult children making bad choices, perhaps they're walking away from the Lord. We all struggle with low joy experiences. And yet, John 10.10 tells us that Jesus came to give life full of joy and abundance. But what kind of life is he talking about and what is the secret to experiencing that kind of joy? So many of us as Christians still struggle to experience joy even though this is the gift Jesus came to bring us. It's difficult for us to to grasp and live out of that joy, out of that gift. So how do you do it? How do you do it? Where is the joy? Joy is found in community with others. Joy is all about relationships. Joy is always found, can only be found within the context of relationships. And so right now, I want to go to God's Word. I want to turn to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to read about this life in community with others that Paul was talking to the Ephesians about. And we're going to learn just a little bit more about this community. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was the risen one who handed down to us such gifted leaders, some emissaries, some prophets, some evangelists, as well as some pastor teachers, so that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister and build up the body of the anointed one. Okay, what are we talking about here? Here we're talking about pastors and teachers and apostles that can teach us about the things of God. This is the first step of community with others. This is what we experience every Sunday when we come into church, Wednesday nights when we come into church. We are taught the things of God. So 
Is that where it ends? Is that where the community ends? Let's read on. So it said, so that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister and build up the body of the anointed one. These ministries will continue until we are unified in faith and filled with the knowledge of the Son of God, until we stand mature in his teachings and fully formed in the likeness of the anointed, our liberating king. Okay, so these ministries, these people are building us up. The pastors and teachers are building us up so that we can be equipped to minister to others. So, when was the last time you ministered to the stranger on your right in this very large church? Can I see the hands of somebody that did that last week? Oh, there are a few. (laughs) I'm surprised and thrilled. But for most of us sitting in a big church, like, like Resurrection Life, it can be difficult to minister to the person on our left or right because, frankly, we don't have a relationship with them. Sometimes we've never seen them before, or sometimes we see them week after week after week, and we've never really gotten below a surface level to know what's going on in their life, to know what kind of ministry they need. So this is the life, uh, this is the community. God's talking about community. He's saying that it's essential, but... How can you have community where you're actually ministering to someone in a big church like this unless you know them or unless the Lord gives you a word for someone that you're willing and brave enough to share with them? So let's, let's read on. It says that when we are mature in his teachings and fully formed in the likeness of the king, then we will no longer be like children tossed around here and there upon ocean waves, picked up by every gust of religious teaching spoken by liars or swindlers or deceivers. Instead, by truth spoken in love, we are to grow in every way into him, the anointed one, the head. He joins and holds together the whole body with its ligaments, providing the support needed so each part works to its proper design to form a healthy, growing, and mature body that builds itself up in love. How do we get to the point where we look like that? Where, where can we operate that way? In this church, these ministries, this kind of work where we're built up, we're matured, we, we operate in the grace that God has given us to minister to other people in small group communities. This church is big, and it's difficult to get that closeness to someone where you can be ministered to and minister to them in the context of a service like this. In our church, our vision, our mission is to develop perfectly committed followers of Jesus Christ. This, this kind of word here in Ephesians 4 is what we're all about. We want to mature as believers. We want to grow so that we can minister to one another and make an impact in our community, make an impact in the people's lives right here at Resurrection Life Church. And that is done in small groups. So, it also talks at the end of this passage about 
Each part works to its proper design. What is it talking about when it says parts? I want to flip over now to Romans 12, 4 through 8, and it says, For in the same way that one body has so many different parts, there's that word again, each with different functions, we too, the many, are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each one of us is joined with one another, another, and we become together what we could not be alone. We become together what we could not be alone. Since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, it is important that we exercise the gifts we have been given. I'd like you to say that with me right now. Exercise the gifts we have been given. Exercise the gifts we have been given. Every one of you has been given a gift by God. It's different. Each one of you are different, and each one of you have been given a gift by God according to his grace. And you are to exercise that gift in the context of community, in the context of relationship. And when you do, you will be better together than you are alone. He goes on to say, if prophecy is your gift, then speak as a prophet according to your proportion of faith. If service is your gift, then serve well. If teaching is your gift, then teach well. If you have been given a voice of encouragement, then use it often. If giving is your gift, then be generous. If leading, then be eager to get started. If sharing God's mercy, then be cheerful in sharing it. This is what we are called to exercise in community with other believers. Now, some of you might say, you know, I think I'm just content with where I'm at. You know, I I come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and I get bed and I'm content with that. But I want to look at what life without community looks like as compared to what life with community looks like to hopefully cause what you're missing to come into focus. So without community, this word says that we are immature and unstable. Immature and unstable Christians. There's actually quite a few immature and unstable Christians running around. You can see it on social media. When Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, are talking smack, hate speech, to anybody that does not agree with their beliefs. This is an immature Christian that would do this. Now, it's, I'm not saying that your beliefs are wrong, and more than likely I agree with your beliefs. But we are called to love people into the kingdom. People will know us as followers of Jesus Christ by our love. And so immature Christians are not drawing people to them when they're not loving people who disagree with them. So you're not making any converts by doing that. And this is one example of immaturity. Another example of immaturity that is hurting you, because, I mean, this is what immaturity does, whether we recognize it or not, but 
Let's, let's think of a, a marriage where the husband is not loving his wife like Christ loved the church. And the wife is not respecting her husband. And there are all sorts of excuses that we could give for not doing that. We have a lot of blame that we could place on our spouse, but the Word says that we are to do these things. So if we're not, we haven't grown up into Christ, who is the head. We haven't become fully mature. We haven't become stable Christians that others will be drawn to, that our children will be blessed by. Unstable Christians redefine biblical principles so they fit better with social and cultural issues. This is a good example of unstable Christians. And this does not hold up the Word of God for others to be drawn to. It confuses, it muddies the issues. We become more like we look like the world than a people set apart. This is what an immature Christian looks like. A Christian that has not been grown up within a community of believers to rub off those sharp edges, to challenge them to live what they say they believe. Within community, we mature. We love those we disagree with, hating the sin and loving the sinner. Within community, we look at our thoughts and actions in the light of Scripture. We confess our sin and align our actions with the Bible's teachings. Within community, we hold fast to the Word of God instead of shifting with culture. Without community, we miss out on love characterized by Jesus' disciples. Within community, we give love when our joy is high, and we receive love when it's low. Without community, we struggle alone. Within community, the weak and vulnerable are made strong. Now, I recognize that the benefits of community, not struggling alone, becoming mature, and enjoying life more because of that maturity, things are just going to work better when we do things God's way. I can still imagine that some of you are saying, I don't want to be a part of a community. I don't want to be a part of a group of people that I don't know. I'm more comfortable just coming in on Sundays and Wednesdays and getting filled up and leaving. And there are several reasons for that, and some of them are good. And the first reason is that you may have had your trust violated. You may have been in a small group setting or in a group of people, and someone gossiped about you. Or maybe someone made you their pet project and they tried to fix you. And your trust was violated. And on behalf of the people that did that to you, I just want to say, I'm sorry, you don't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. But I don't want that to stop you from taking a step toward 
community with other believers where you can give and receive love, where if you're low joy, someone with high joy can pick you up, where if you're high joy, you can pick somebody with low joy up. And in fact, in this church, everyone that hosts a small group has to go through a training. And the training is really good. I went through it myself a few months ago, and one of the things that stuck with me so clearly is that if we don't, we, we cannot feel like we have the right to speak into someone's life until we love them first. And this is the kind of training that leaders of small groups have in this church. It's really good. It's a three-hour training, and you do feel equipped to host a small group when you're done. They want, Res Life wants to make sure that small group communities are safe, a place where you will grow, a place where you will be fed, a place that you will be lifted up, a, pla a place that will fill you with all the good things that you need to lead a life of joy. But there's, there's other hurdles, too, that some of you are facing that prevent you from getting involved. Some of you are busy. I get that. But sometimes we make ourselves too busy for the unimportant things, and we're missing out on the things that are really important. And when you consider that joy is found in community with others, who couldn't use more joy and less busyness? I, I just suggest to you that it might be important to take a look at your schedule and say, would it be worth it to get involved? To really grow deep in relationship with fellow followers of Jesus Christ. Another hurdle that you might be facing is selfishness. Now, there's a lot of baby boomers out there that are from the modern era, like myself, that really have a focus on coming into church and getting all the knowledge that we can get because we just want to learn. And then we're quite content to walk out the back doors of this church and use that knowledge for ourselves or our daily life. But there's a whole new age of people in this church. The postmodern era, younger people are all about relationship. They can get their information online. What they're hungry for is relationship. And so when people my age and older say, eh, I don't want to do a small group, you may be cheating somebody out of an opportunity to grow in relationship with you. You've got a lot to offer. We've all been given gifts. We read that. We've each been given ministries according to the grace of God. We've all got something to share. So some of us are just selfish. We, you know, we'd rather just keep to ourselves than sharing our lives with others. Others of you are afraid of exposure. You're afraid the junk is going to come out of your trunk if you get into a small group, and that terrifies you. And yet, I love what it says in Ephesians. It says, no, Romans 12, 9 says, and don't hide behind a mask when it's talking about coming together. You're not going to get the help that you need if you're afraid of talking about what's really going on in your life. You will remain immature and unstable. 
and have all the negative fruit that goes along with that. It's important to share in a safe place what's really going on in your life. Only when sin is exposed can Jesus' healing light shine on it and heal you. So I thought since my husband and I have been involved in quite a few small groups through the years, I thought I'd spend the remainder of our time together by telling you a few stories about what can happen in small group community. And my husband and I were leaders of a host of a small group. Um, we started back in 2005. And so I contacted my group and I said, hey, I'm going to be teaching on Wednesday night. Would it be all right if I shared a few stories? And they gave me permission to do so. And one man actually wrote a story about his experience joining a small group. He said it was September 2005 and our church was introducing us to Rick Warren and his 40 Days of Purpose. That's when Mary Ann and I heard the call to join a small group. Now, to put it bluntly, we were scared. Even though we loved meeting new people and we loved to socialize, we were afraid to step out of our comfort zone. We didn't know anyone in the new group. We didn't know what to expect in a church small group at all. Besides that, we knew we were not big-time church lovers. Don't you love the honesty? And we certainly didn't know the Bible, like most people in our church do, or so he assumed. Note, I didn't even know that there was a book of Job. Yeah, we were very nervous and quite uncomfortable about going to Tom and Sandy Ralea's house that first night in September of 05, but we did it. We bit the bullet and went there. And then in parentheses, he says, just to check it out. They were keeping their options open. And then something divine happened. Jesus took over. We were introduced and definitely welcomed. That, that first night, we talked, we laughed, we ate. We were treated with total respect. Our small group was interested in our feelings and opinions, even though those opinions were sometimes a bit contrary to other people's. We actually contributed, and most of all, we had fun. And so it happened. We were hooked. It didn't take long, and we changed from being scared to just can't wait. Through this new small group experience, Marianne and I discovered a very real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it grew, and it is still growing, to be deeper than ever. We found new loving friends, beautiful, solid, God-fearing people who were learning about Jesus, just as we were, even though admittedly they were a step or two ahead of us on the spiritual learning curve. Didn't matter, we still felt at home. So that's one person's experience, but there were other things that happened during this time together that I want to share with you because I think they're remarkable. One particular night in our small group, one woman who was particularly quiet and soft-spoken, very gentle, was listening to another member of our group talk about his very stressful job. And she was listening to it for a while, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, she said, if you don't quit that job, you're going to die. And we looked at her, and I'm like, oh my goodness, she just spoke death. She just spoke death over this <laughs> new member, and it was like, oh, I couldn't believe she said it. And I was getting ready to form a response to this gentleman that had just heard that he's going to die if he doesn't quit his job. 
when I was looking at that man and he was totally gripped by what she said. It just didn't go in and get stuck here or even go out the other side. It landed squarely in his heart. It was a word for him, and he knew it. Shortly after, he quit his job. <laughs> he quit his job. Shortly after that, he began a new business, which started out slowly, but over time grew and grew and grew and grew, and now it's a very successful business, and he's actually able to work in conjunction with his wife's career, and they're traveling over the country and doing amazing things together. It was incredible. It was an incredible word, and actually it was a prophetic word. That's one of those gifts that people are given according to the grace God has given them, and it had a tremendous effect in that man's life. One of the people in our group grew in their love for the Bible so much. And simultaneously, we were studying purpose-driven life, and he felt like God was leading him to provide Bibles here at this church for anyone who didn't have one. And so if you'll notice, on the back walls of this church in the Narthex area, in the atrium area, there are racks with Bibles that said, need one, take one. And this all sprung from one of the members in our small group. You can begin to see what happens when people come together in community. Joy grows. Another thing is several of the people in our group, after being together for a while, realized that we really struggled with the spirit of judgmentalism. We were critical. We had been critical of other people. We were raised in a, a more of a traditional church, and we were very legalistic, and rubbing elbows in this small group with these new people that didn't have that baggage, we realized that we had some things to confess and repent. So being in the small group, our joy grew as we became less critical of others as we confess the sin of judging others. One person in our group struggled with high anxiety, high anxiety, so much so that it was crippling. And we prayed for this man. We spoke scripture to this man. We rebuked fear and anxiety, and this man was able to take steps that he had never taken before. This happened in small group community. As we got to know each other, as we felt safe with each other, it was just amazing what happened in this group. I think back to my own story when our marriage was messy, small group community, being in a community of other women really helped get me through, and it helped teach me how to respect my husband, even when his actions weren't respectable, how I could still respect the man. It encouraged me. I learned to speak the truth in love in that small group, and that was the impetus for more and more and more change until the Lord dramatically transformed our marriage. Tom and I believe 
in the power of small groups. In fact, just this morning, I got a call, an email from a woman in South Carolina. She's a beautiful womanhood mentor, and she said, I just want you to know that one of the women in one of the groups that is going on here in this church was saved as a result of being together in the group and recognizing her need for Jesus Christ. Good things happen. Great things happen when you come together in community. Joy is grown. Immaturity becomes maturity. You're able to give and receive love. So many good things happen. And I want you to experience that joy. God is speaking to some of you right now and he's saying, you are supposed to host a small group. We're doing a big launch here in February. And some of you, he's saying, you can do it. You can open up your home, plug in a video, serve a little food, and love people. He's asking some of you to host. And in fact, right after this service, I'm going back to the small group hub. Tom and I have taken a year off from small groups. And we've made the decision based on everything that I've shared with you tonight that we need, it's time to get back. So we're going to sign up to host a small group. But there are some of you that God is saying, it's time to get involved. It's time to grow up in the body by becoming a part of a community. It's time to, to grow some joy, to become a part of something that can make a tremendous difference in your life. So I hope that you will meet me back there because I know that God has amazing things in store for you. But we're going to switch gears right now as we close. And I'd actually like you to close your eyes right now. And I am going to share a word for you that I read this morning when I was having my devotions. I want you to picture... Jesus speaking to you right now. This is Jesus speaking in John 14. Don't get lost in despair. Don't get lost in despair. Believe in God and keep on believing in me. My Father's home is designed to accommodate all of you. If there were not room for everyone, I would have told you that. I am going to make arrangements for your arrival. I will be there to greet you personally and welcome you home where we will be together. You know where I am going and how to get there. Thomas, one of the disciples says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the path? Jesus said, I am the path, the truth, and the energy of life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you truly want to grow joy in a low joy world that begins to affect the people around you, the most important relationship you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to invite anyone here that has never committed their life to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. And you can signify that just by raising your hands. I will see you. God has prepared a place for those 
who believe in him, who believe that he died and rose again. And I don't want you to miss out on the joy that comes from being in close relationship with him. So last chance, put up your hand. You'd like us to pray with you tonight. So I'd like all of you to stand now as we close in prayer together. Father, I just thank you for these that you have brought here tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for for your word that we've been able to talk about. And I pray, Lord, that, that for those who are feeling lost, for those who are feeling low joy, for those who are feeling lonely, Lord, that you will, you will encourage them. You will speak to them about going deeper into the body of Christ so that their joy may be full. Father, you're not asking them to do anything that you didn't do. You, when you lived on this earth, lived in community. You shared your life with others and it made all the difference and we're so grateful. So I pray that you would be with these here and encourage them to do the same, Lord. And I pray that their joy would be full in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.